All right, Sarah, do you have your uh, your recorder set up? You rolling? It's, it's in position. We're all in position. <laughs> Locked and loaded and ready to podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Hopefully that's not in the show. Um, so. <laughs> it's a hell of a tagline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that'll, that'll be our new tagline for the show. Yeah. <laughs> Hey there, Pulse Check listeners. This is Jeremy Siegel continuing our special series on the coronavirus pandemic. And I just got one question for you. Who is ready to podcast? Wow. (laughs) I know Politico's Sarah Overmall is because today on the show, she is answering all of the big questions we have about immunity, whether and how much it's waning and what it all means for the COVID response. Here's our conversation. So, Sarah... I am fully vaccinated, got fully vaccinated a few months ago. Is my immunity waning? Yes, but it's a question of how much and when we should be concerned about your immunity waning. Okay, so that's a kind of answer. And I feel like the (laughs) lack of total answer comes probably from what feels from my perspective like a significant lack of 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 data exactly on all of this, like with immunity and when it's waning. So I want to ask you about it um, first by asking about what data we have here in the U.S. about how effective vaccines are as time goes on and whether and at what point immunity wanes. So we have a few things that the CDC just released recently. There was one study uh, that was released around the same time that President Biden said that we were going to start implementing boosters. That one focused on health workers um, on the front lines and said that they found vaccine effectiveness declined by roughly 30 percent since the Delta variant became the dominant strain in this country. Um, And then there was another one that focused on a wide range of residents in LA, and it found that about a quarter of new infections from May to July were in fully vaccinated people, as opposed to you know just over 70% in unvaccinated people. So obviously 25% vaccinated people having breakthrough infections is more than we've been told about breakthroughs so far. And that indicates that you know more people are getting the Delta variant and that that does have a factor in this notion of declining immunity. But the problem is, like you said, there's also a lot of data we don't have. We don't know how much of this is the Delta variant, how much of this is vaccine effectiveness actually going down, and how much of this is, you know, our behavior changing, people going out more, getting exposed more. Uh, The fact that there still are so many unvaccinated people out there, we don't know how much of a risk it is for two fully vaccinated people to transmit a virus between each other. And we also don't know at what point does the immunity go down to a point that actually risks your life and hospitalization. Because what we know right now is it's still exceedingly rare for you to be hospitalized if you've been vaccinated. Hmm. So these studies, which still leave a lot of questions out there, do at least still show that if you're vaccinated, while your immunity might go down for getting a more mild breakthrough case, you're still really protected against getting seriously ill and going to the hospital or dying. Exactly. It's still super rare that you would get seriously ill um, or go to the hospital or die. And, I, you know, it's interesting to to talk about that again, because we, I think, are getting back to where we were a few months ago with, with just trying to get people vaccinated in the first place. Now we're talking about it in the context 
of boosters. And in the meantime, I don't know about you, but I've had several friends get breakthrough infections and it has been, you know, crappy for them. They've had, they've described it as like a very bad flu, um, loss of smell, loss of taste, but also they're now better. And so we might have to come around to this idea that breakthroughs will still be common, but we're trying to reduce this to the level of a flu or a cold rather than the virus that has killed billions. So given the lack of like complete data that we do have on vaccine effectiveness and Delta and how much and when immunity is waning, um, is there anything that we can gather from other countries that have vaccination programs that have been like similar to the U.S. where they've been giving out vaccines for a while. Can we figure anything out from looking outside of the U.S.? Yeah, so all eyes have been on Israel for a while now because they were among the first to release data about waning immunity, but also the first country to implement a broad booster plan. They are now boosting just about everyone who was eligible for the original vaccine Hmm. and considering you not fully vaccinated if you don't have a booster anymore. Interesting. Yeah, and so the data that they had that kind of put fuel under this already going discussion in the U.S. about when there was going to be boosters were data that showed waning immunity among people, especially those who'd gotten the vaccine early on um, in its availability, so in the winter time, but not quite the same uh, decrease in people who'd gotten it later, like the spring and the summer. And so in some senses, that that makes sense. Like, of course, you know, the people who got it before, the immunity would be going down a little bit more. But then mm-hmm. this also comes back to you know, all these other factors that we have to consider. Is this about the vaccines? Is this about Delta variant? Is this about the types of people who were first in line to get the vaccine? People like healthcare workers who might be exposed more? Um, Or is it about all of our behaviors changing in the last few months as we thought that this was somewhat in the rearview mirror? The, The likely answer is it's all of those things. But then that doesn't speak to, you know, going out and giving everyone another shot as fast as we can, because you have to think about this long term. Like, are we going to continue to give shots every eight months? Or is there a certain level of immunity that we can expect that we'll get to? And this will mean maybe annual or two years or five years. What data do we have at this point about boosters, like how much they would help and when it does make sense to give them and how often to give them? Or is that all still up in the air? So that's another big issue. Um, Johnson & Johnson, the uh, single-dose vaccine, uh, they recently released some data that a second shot of its one-dose regimen increased COVID-19 antibodies ninefold one month after vaccination, so a pretty sharp increase in antibodies and protections in people ages 18 through you know over 65 years old. So that's a really good uh, indicator that that is an effective second dose. They also said that it was particularly effective against Delta and hospitalization and death from the Delta variant. Mm-hmm. Um, Moderna and Pfizer are still collecting that information. And actually in a CDC advisory meeting on Monday, Pfizer was asked when they'd have that information. And they said that they were aiming for October to see how well boosters work. Hmm. The problem with that is that President Biden has already put out this date of September 20th, where he wants boosters to be broadly available. So that's kind of the trap of the White House stepping ahead. Uh, You know, he's put this timeline out there, but now you have to have the data in hand to warrant it, to, to, rationalize to people, this is why we're doing this. And you have to have the regulators and the companies on board for these to be available as a booster shot. 
Interesting. How much do you think that could complicate plans here in the U.S. if we're planning on doing some of this stuff before the data is actually there? It could get really tricky. I think that uh, one thing that I've heard when I've talked to scientists and public health experts about this is that while on the one hand they understand that the White House wanted to lay the groundwork a bit for boosters so that it wasn't a shock to people when they were needed. Hmm. On the other hand, putting this timeline out there and saying we're going to have them by this point is, once again, the White House leading the scientists. And there were lots of concerns about that in the Trump administration and about the hits that had to people's confidence in the independence of agencies like the Food and Drug Administration, which is the one that's making these decisions. Hmm. Underlying A lot of our discussion so far is the fact that there are still a lot of questions um, up in the air and that we don't have data yet. We don't have data yet on when immunity exactly wanes. We don't have data yet on exactly how effective boosters might be or when we might need them. Why is it so hard to have data quickly on all this stuff? Well, (laughs) For the same reason that it was hard to have data in the first place on how vaccines work. So some of the very same challenges are there. You have to account for human behavior. You have to account for reasons why certain people would be more exposed or more um, vulnerable. And so in order to control for those elements, you have to be tracking data for months on thousands, tens of thousands of people, um, people in mm. different uh, areas of the country that are in hotspots or not, people in different lines of work, like that healthcare workers study. And similar to the reason that FDA said that there had to be months of data for original submissions, you have to look at this over long term to say, you know, not just, okay, immunity is waning, but... At what point do we begin to worry about how much it's waned? Even if it goes down a certain amount, we're still talking in in terms of Pfizer and Moderna as being more than 90% effective originally. And so, you know, if the immunity is going down to a point where, yes, some people are going to have breakthrough infections where they feel bad for a week but are not likely to get hospitalized, then what's the longer term answer here? Do we act knee-jerk and say it's gone down 30%? let's get everyone boosters right now and set that up as kind of a precedent that we're just going to be getting boosters, you know, every few months? Or do we say, okay, what is the bar that we have to hit to say, okay, now we're going to roll these out again to the population who has already gotten them? Also considering that there's many millions of people in the world who haven't gotten them yet. Yeah. I mean, that sort of gets to what I wanted to ask about next, which is most of our conversation so far has had to do with people who are already vaccinated, but there's a huge portion of the U.S., around 40 percent, who still haven't gotten their first or second shots of of the vaccine uh, worldwide. There's way, way more people who haven't. And I mean, I know this is sort of a tricky, like higher level public health question, but at the end of the day, does it make sense to be I don't know, asking all of these questions about people who are already vaccinated and focusing, you know, time and effort on getting people potentially, you know, second and and third shots, boosters? Or is it better for the nation to still be focusing on getting the first shots out to people who are unvaccinated? Where does it make sense for resources to go? It's a really difficult dilemma. And what 
U.S. government officials will tell you if you ask is we can do both um, and that this is, you know, a false choice is is a phrase that has been said to me about this. Mm. Um, but there is a push and pull there. And especially when you think about getting first doses to people has an overall, you know, I don't want to say herd effect, but it's more or less that like if everybody has a certain level of immunity established, then you're already going to be better positioned and you may need boosters less. So there's an incentive, not just for goodwill to get vaccines out to the rest of the world. You know, variants come, the Delta variant was first found in India. These mm-hmm. variants spread very quickly. It's, it's, it's better for the world to think about this in global terms. Um, but, you know, there are reasons why this has been slow moving um, on the global front as well. And it doesn't just have to do with whether we want to stockpile doses for Americans. It's been slow to get those agreements in motion and get those vaccines out the door. But U.S. officials will insist to you that we have plenty of vaccines at this point. It's a matter of logistically getting them to place to place and that they still have to look out for you know, Americans uh, and in their booster plans. I think the area that they're running into opposition right now is from scientists and vaccine experts who say that with the data we have available at this moment, it doesn't warrant getting boosters right now. And that might seem kind of counterintuitive because we're all hearing about more breakthrough infections, but they're saying, you know, we need to set up a bar. We need to say maybe a year is is when this needs to happen. Um, and so there's people that are still asking for more data and saying we need clearer answers on just how much immunity is going down. Hmm. Before I let you go, um, I wanted to ask a question that I feel like I used to ask you a lot, but have sort of stopped because <laughs> it's felt like we're in such a holding pattern with the pandemic. But I feel like I know what it is. <laughs> when do you think this is all going to be over? Yep. <laughs> I was like, here it goes. Uh, you know, it. It's crazy. Like, I think about that question a lot, too. And I've even gone back to some of my old behaviors. Um, we had, I think, mm-hmm. a few bright weeks there where, you know, you might not have worn masks in yeah. certain places or, you know, maybe maybe you don't put a hand sanitizer on as much. Um, and we're kind of reverting back. I think that, unfortunately, and I, I don't want to say this for any of us. I think that we're in for a hard fall and a hard winter. And that's not just because of the variant or boosters. We've got students going back to school. We've got the politicization of things like masks. Um, we don't know when vaccines are going to be widely available to younger children, but then we also don't know how that rollout is going to go. We've already had so much resistance among adults. Um, I think, think that we're in this again, unfortunately, uh, through the winter. All right. That is our show for this week. Until next time, when I'll be back and ready to podcast, I'm Jeremy Siegel. And big thanks to Sarah Overmall from Politico's health team for joining me. If you want to find more of her reporting Be sure to subscribe to the Politico Pulse newsletter, which she co-authors with Adam Kankren every weekday morning. You can find that at politico.com slash newsletters and in this episode's show notes. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, Pulse Check, if you haven't yet. And if you can, leave us a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find the show. Pulse Check's senior editor is Raghu Manavalan. Our senior producer is Jenny Ament, and our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you soon. 